Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm Kimberly Ewing, your host tonight on The Sages Among Us. And with me is Carlos Caruncho. He grew up in Cuba, where he was born, attended university in Russia, and defected from Cuba at the age of 27. And after living in Canada for a year, he crossed the border into America and finally received refugee status in 1992. That same year, he began work as an assistant for a Burgundy-trained winemaker in Northern California, where he worked for five years. And after a stint abroad, Caruncho returned to California and became a high school teacher at Bear River High School and now teaches at Lincoln High. And he took over a 45-year-old abandoned vineyard in the Sierra foothills, coaxing it back to some semblance of life through organic dry farming under the name Arquiles Wines. Carlos is given name of, and the Spanish rendition of Achilles. Welcome, Carlos, or should I say bienvenidos, Carlos. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. How are you on this rainy night? Happy New Year, by the way. It's actually very interesting, very English kind of weather. So, it is. Yeah. Very, very much uh, from the other side of the pond tonight. Indeed. Indeed. But we're here tonight to talk about Carlos and um, why you have become um, a sage in our community. Well, one, who doesn't love wine? And who doesn't love a teacher? True. Right? So... Uh, I love um, the story, but I want everybody that is listening tonight to know your story. And how it generally starts is where you came from. So we know you were born and raised in Cuba, but maybe tell us a little bit about your childhood and your family dynamic. Absolutely. So I grew up with, in the family of four women. Um, so I was pampered, but also... Um, also, I learned a lot, a lot. I learned a lot from my sisters and my mom. And the community was very close. Uh, family, Latin families, they're usually very close. They yeah. work together and they support each other. Right. So my neighborhood was kind of wild. Uh, we had, uh, among many things, we have people from Africa descendants. So they had the celebrations during December. They had the, they called them Bembe. Bembe. Yeah. So they had it twice a month, and I used to participate in those, and it was fascinating. So yeah. With music, food, music, everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> it was uh, altar. Uh, they had altars with a lot of uh, fruit and candles. I mean. I'm drums playing and oh. dancing and singing. It was fascinating. So I grew up in that kind of environment. And with four women. Yeah, four <laughs> women, exactly. Are you saying you're the only boy in the family? That is correct, yes. Were you the youngest, the middle, or the eldest? I was the third. Yeah. You were the third yeah. of the family. So would, would that be considered the my second youngest? Second middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can imagine. Okay. And, um, and then... Father figure, mother figure. Yes, uh, I I had my stepfather uh, mm -hmm. who raised me, and uh, I actually learned a lot of things about my stepfather when I went to Cuba last April. I okay. was fascinated the way he, like he would sit me uh, on a stone and he would make me um, read, learn how to read and do math. I don't remember any of it. Wow! But yes, my sisters told me when I was there last time. So, so you're still as even visiting last year. 
learning, learning and remembering things. Wow. Indeed. And so tell me a little bit about um, being a Cuban child in what, the 70s? Uh, yes, pretty much the 70s. Well, it was fascinating because then Cuba, of course, was supported by uh, many other countries, especially Russia. Sure. So our upbringing is, uh, was with uh, Russian cartoons, uh, Russian movies, oh. war movies. And so it was pretty much everything from the uh, communist bloc, everything that we received. Right. But at the same time, you could see that uh, everyone was very close. The community was very close. Mm -hmm. We supported each other tremendously during that time. So, yes, it was a very, um, very rich uh, childhood for sure. And it sounds multicultural. Absolutely. Even yes. though in, oh, yes. in, a, in what you would think would be just one culture, but obviously not. No, not at all. We had people living in, in my hometown from Russia, from uh, Poland, actually even French people, I remember. Really? Yes. That's fascinating. And um, were, you're a multilingual person now, Carlos, but were you? Did you hear different languages back then too, because of the cultures and? Yes, indeed. I remember being in high school and visiting um, with a friend, visiting a couple from France, and I was fascinated by the language. I just it was mm. like music to my ear, mm. and uh, and then of course all the languages, uh, Russian also was around, and Italian and French. So I was always fascinated by it and. I don't know. I you obviously picked it up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds um, fun. And I mean, honestly, rich, like you said, um, in, in your remembrance of it when you were younger, one of my favorite questions is what was a favorite toy or a passion or a memory that you hold on to so much? Well, two two toys come to mind, and actually that's connected very much, uh, interestingly enough, with my present le present life now. So the first toy that I remember is, a, is an airplane. I remember very well the airplane, and I was a little boy. I was in five, six years old. And then another one was given to me by my, um, my half-brother. And it was a tractor. It was a um, plastic tractor. I remember mm. building roads for the tractor. So, <laughs> I love it. And I'm a, I, I do agriculture now, so it's so right. fascinating. And I travel a lot. So It's yeah. like the, the premonitions. That's, that's right. <laughs> All linked together. Yes, indeed. Yes. And was it like a model airplane? One yes, of the little was, ones you can handhold? Yes, okay. exactly. One of those. And then passion. I, I guess fishing was what I loved the most. Fishing? When I was a child. Yes, just going into, the, into nature, basically, mm -hmm. and dealing with the fishing and sitting there and waiting for the fish to to hook again all of that so it's just i loved it so that i was love that and i mean cuba is an island so of course you're going to be on the water more than not yes indeed everybody yeah. probably yes. had that relationship with the ocean correct yes. um not like us here right <laughs> <laughs> um well it's so interesting and i've always wanted to go to cuba so we'll have to talk about that later but Tell me a little bit about um, in those formative years with your your four um, feminine powers of your family. Does there is there anybody in your in your life at that time that really stands out for you? Absolutely, um, my mother actually was the one that always pushed me. Mm. Uh, she always wanted me to do best, and, and and as a parent, I look back and I think, oh my goodness, how did my mom manage to send me off? And she was okay with it. 
that she was so apart from me for so many years. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, she was always uh, like a beacon for me. She was always there, always making sure that I, I did the best I could for myself. And did you know that then, or was it more of time of reflection as no, an adult that exactly. you noticed? exactly. As an adult, I just look back and I, I think mm-hmm. about it, and I say I'm, I'm so grateful to her for having pushed me to... Yeah. Because in the time, in the moment, right, as teenagers or young you, people, we don't know you don't thing. know. Exactly. But it's that reflection of, um, wow, she did the right thing for me, Indeed. right, or yes. did it right for me. Um, and was there any um, male inspiration for you? At that time, uh, yes. Actually, my my stepfather, he was pretty much there for me, even though I don't remember a lot. He right. he passed when I was 13, 14 years oh, old. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah. uh, what I remember, he was always there. Always he was, um, he dressed very well, for example. He Sharp was always, dresser. Yeah, she, <laughs> she was a judge. And, uh, and, uh, and interesting enough, I mean, just to make a comparison, Eliza's my wife, uh, stepfather, was a judge also. So <gasps> it's interesting how these connections in oh, life. Wow. So yes, he was a big figure in my life. He, he I learned a lot from him. Wow. Yes. Yeah, and I love that your mom was a judge. No, my mom, my father. I mean, your father was yeah. a judge. Yes, Sorry. Right. <laughs> um, I was like, wow, wait. Um, okay, and so interesting. And just to mention, sweet Eliza Tudor, who yes. we we know and love. Um, you are married to her, and yes. we'll get to that in a minute, but we want to put a shout-out to her. Um, now, thinking back in your life, Carlos, is there something or someone in your life that gave you a, like a watershed moment um, that pinpoints maybe the reason why you're so deeply involved in making a better community? Anything like that? Yes. Um, well, you know, I don't know if you, you know this, but in Cuba, the... Um uh, th- during that time, they had community events. Yes, so they would organize like street parties, mm. and everyone would cook together at home and bring it out. So one of the the people that helped me is a gentleman. He's now deceased, but uh, Hil- Hilberto was his name, and he helped me a lot uh, to understand what to do for everyone in the neighbor in the neighborhood, how to help putting tables together and bring the food out and serve the, those that needed to be served and. And I learned a lot from him. Mm. He was a, a big figure in, in my life during that time, since my my, my father passed then. Right. So, yes. Yeah. And, I mean, a little bit of the story from your bio was that you attended university in Russia. Was that what happened after you graduated high school? Right. So when um, so we used to be given a sponsorship to travel and to study abroad. So I was one of those lucky people that got the sponsorship. So I went to I did a year in Havana uh, or prep, just learning uh, Russian language. It was an immersion course, mm-hmm. and afterwards we were sent to Russia. So where we studied university. It was an extraordinary time in my life. I I actually I didn't think that the world was so big or that there were many other opportunities in life. And it was a beautiful time. I met incredible people. I made uh, amazing connections with uh, Russians and all the students from all over the world. It was the first time that I saw that there were so many people from so from all over the world in one university, from India, they were from China, there were students from Laos, and students from France, from uh, extraordinary places. So that was really very... Uh, very emotional to be I there. I bet. Yeah. 
Um, when you say university in Russia, was where was it? That was in a in a city called Ariol, which okay. is about six hours south of Moscow by train. Okay, and how hard was it to learn Russian? Actually, because you have the Latin language, right? Right. Well, because we did this course in Havana, it was very intensive. Everything, all the subjects were in Russian. So by the time we finished the course, I was uh, almost fluent. So, mm. but the trick is that the Russian we were learning was that book Russian, not the street language. Got it. So when we go to Russia, we would use the 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 pure language, and people wouldn't understand us. So it took me probably about a couple of years to really, really master the language. Mm-hmm. I became completely fluent. And is it true, like most other countries, it's dialect related or geographically related, where they have different ways of speaking in this? That is correct. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Completely. So you had to learn the lingo of the yes. of the village. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Wow. And what did you study at university? I studied philology, uh, Russian language and literature. Okay. Yeah, all the masters, all the Russian masters wow. and writers. Beautiful, beautiful. Fantastic. Experience. And so then the story after that is you defected from Cuba. That's right. At age 27. Tell me about that part of your life. So it all started, um, well, this is not a secret anymore. I worked for military school in, in Cuba, which they, with quotation marks, they thought it was a secret school, a military school. But I was uh, training uh, future Sandinist officers, teaching them Russian in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Havana after my service. And then uh, I worked in Havana at the Tarara Center for the Chernobyl program. Yes, the Chernobyl program. So that was yeah. a fascinating time. Uh, I That was probably one of the best jobs I ever had in my life, really. Just uh, And I was doing it as a volunteer. So I worked for 10 months with uh, Russian children and adults who came from Chernobyl. Yeah. And I was one of the two only translators there. So just to make a, sh- a long story short, I managed to, after a long period, I managed to get a visa to go back to Russia to visit. And then on my way there, there are millions of other details, but I'm cutting it short. <laughs> then I defected in, in Canada. I okay. stayed in Canada. I asked for political asylum there, and uh, I stayed there for 10 months. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've not, I don't think I've known someone personally that's done that. Was that, did someone help mentor you to do that? Or? Not at all. Oh, wow. No, not at all. No, so I, no one knew that I was leaving the country for good except for two people. And during that time, so it was something. It was very difficult to do because I'm sure. Uh, but I mean, if, if they catch you, you spend 25 years in prison. Right. So, but it was the best thing I ever did in my life, and I would do it again with my eyes closed. Yeah. 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 No regrets. No, not at no. all. No. And with that, you were in Canada. That's correct. For yeah. a year, and then. What happened next? <laughs> what happened Again, next? Again, I'm cutting a lot of cor- I'm cutting a lot of corners here. We need a book, Carlos. We I need know. a book. <laughs> so basically, what happened is one day I heard uh, uh, the person that I was living with about how to get to the U.S. across uh, the border. So I did it, and um, I just uh, went through a train tunnel uh, under the Michigan lakes. <laughs> oh, okay, and, uh, the Great Lakes. I didn't know that it was underwater until like a few years ago. Oh. Like 10 years ago, I know. Oh. So I ran through the, the tunnel, and as I was running through the tunnel, the train came from the U.S. into Canada, so I had to push myself against the wall because there wasn't enough room. And the conductor stopped the train, and he started screaming in English, Dra-la-la-la-la. and I screamed back in Spanish, so no one knew. We didn't know what we were telling each other. 
So then uh, he left, he continued to Canada, and I just ran for my life into the yeah. U.S., yeah. So that's how I crossed the border. Okay. So fascinating time, a lot of adrenaline. Uh, yeah, at 27, you've got still oh, good lungs exactly. and, like, good good body fitness. <laughs> I, could, I could run well, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow, and then, you know, it comes to, well, first of all, um, if you're just uh, coming on to The Sages Among Us, I'm Kimberly Ewing for The Sages um, tonight as the host. But my friend and uh, sage tonight is Carlos Caruncho. He's uh, a teacher, which we haven't even gotten to, but also he is a vintage winemaker and an arts advocate. And he's here tonight as our sage. So welcome to the show if you're just turning in. And really, when it comes to the next part is... How did you get to Nevada County? How did it happen? Because we're so happy to have you and your wife and your family here. Um, and if I heard you correctly, you had your first volunteer experience through event planning, or what you had, you just said it, and what was it that you were doing? You said 10 months of volunteering. Yes, that was in Chernobyl. Yeah. And doing the Chernobyl project, in Cuba, yeah. In Cuba, in Havana. In Cuba. Yes, in Havana. Right, which was, you know, a tragic part of history, and that you were there translating and yeah. helping the Chernobyl children and families. Um, so going back to, okay, that's your first volunteer experience, obviously very important. How did you get to Nevada County and how do we get to today? <laughs> so um, I, I had a friend that uh, actually still have a friend who um, lives here and he invited me to come and visit. And uh, when I came, uh, we did some harvesting. Okay. So it, was, it was August and uh, it was beautiful. I love the weather. I mean, compared to uh, Cuba, here is very dry. Mm -hmm. So there's no humidity. So I loved it. And I loved the whole experience, and I always was intrigued by wine. So I said, why not? So I just moved. So you had a winemaker or wine friend. Right. Okay. So, and uh, so I, I came, and um, I just decided to, to move here forever. Isn't that funny? That story, Carlos, is so the common thread. I didn't plan on staying here, and now I'm here forever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so it, when it comes to Nevada County, it was the wine and the dry temperature. Right, and the beauty of it. I mean, <laughs> is so beautiful. There's so many things to do here. Yeah, it's true. We're we're very lucky, aren't we? Um, what? Tell me a little bit about what you do at. So tell us a little bit about the abandoned wine, the winery. Right. So um, on Cement Hill, there is this beautiful property that actually used to be uh, a Indian reservation. Uh, oh, the okay, Nisland, the Rancheria. Nisland, yeah, mm -hmm. the Rancheria. Right. So I just came upon this vineyard, uh, totally abandoned. Uh, it was a jungle. And when I came to, to the place, uh, the family, the strong family lives there, beautiful people, really beautifully supportive mm. of, of everything I do there. They, um, um, they didn't believe that, uh, that anything could be done about it. So just let me do it. So Let me try. Yeah, let me try, <laughs> right. So it took me a year to revive the whole vineyard. Uh, oh. I remember, Kimberly, I remember the moment, the exact moment when I I, free, I freed the, the last vine from all the suckers. It was like the entire property was saying thank you to me. It was so beautiful. Oh. Yeah. It, so anyway. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, so that's how I took it over and now producing fantastic uh, Sauvignon Blanc from it and some blends, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir. And I've seen some Tempranillo that was sold out. <laughs> Yeah. I was looking at your website going, oh, look at all this beautiful wine. <laughs> wow. And it took you a whole year of dedication yes. and sacrifice because you really didn't know. No, I didn't know whether it was going to 
come wow. back, but he did. Yeah. And now, how long have you been doing that? Since uh, 2017. Okay. Yes. And are you still loving it? Absolutely. Every single moment, yes. It's... Working with plants, as you know, is beautiful. It and is. They, they, they don't complain. They don't complain, but <laughs> but with things changing, yes. I was a farmer for 10 years right. with my own CSA, and farming in the foothills is no joke. No, it isn't. Yeah. Especially if you try to dry farm. So What is that? I don't so know what that is. It's just no watering the, the vines. Mm-hmm. The vines can take it because they're 45 plus years old, so right. the, the roots are very deep. So you wouldn't be able to do much with young vines, but yes. And so that's an advantage, <laughs> is to be able to do it dry. Yeah. Um, and the trick of that is just, it's got to be, how did you learn to do that? Oh, it's a long story. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Just through trial and error or lots of education or? No, but actually, well, I had the great fortune of meeting amazing people that uh, whom I learned from. And one of them is actually the pioneer of uh, biodynamic um, uh, viticulture is uh, Nicolas Jolie. Oh. Okay. Uh, from the Loire Valley, uh, we Eliza and I went and visited him, and mm-hmm. um, he's a total for it. I mean, he's a beautiful person and also an amazing winemaker. So I have had a lot of great influence in winemaking, and so yes, I mean. And you're a teacher. I a teacher. After the, you know, I am a teacher too. So, so way for teachers, a little shout out. Where do you teach, and what do you teach? I teach Spanish at Lincoln High School, or nine through twelve. That sounds uh, very appropriate, yes. Carlos. <laughs> and how long have you been teaching? Uh, I started teaching here in California in 2014. Okay. Yeah, at Vero River High School, and mm-hmm. then I moved to uh, Lincoln High School. Yeah, so you commute a little bit. Yes, yeah. uh, 45 minutes each way. Okay. Yeah. And getting to the, the part of the uh, what you're doing for the community, let, first of all, like I said at the beginning of the show, everybody loves wine, and and the the craft of making good wine is no easy task. Um, what makes you keep trying with all the challenges, with all the things that happen? And I'm, you know, I work with Eliza at the Nevada County Arts uh, Council, which I know you're an advocate for. Like, there's always these obstacles, right? What keeps you coming back for more? What is it about it? Well, I actually feel very responsible in my winemaking uh, towards the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, I mean, there is so much uh, that is put into wines. Uh, I mean, just to make a long story short, there are 93 additives that can put, be put into a bottle of wine in the U.S. Yeah. And they're approved by the FDA. Mm. So what makes me uh, come back to it is that when people love, when I tell them that I use no chemicals in my wines that are totally natural, 100% no sulfites, uh, I, I only use uh, biodynamic uh, preps and uh, organic uh, things in my in the vineyard, and um, yeah, so people love that. No headaches, no hangovers, no no issues with their health because of drinking a glass of wine or a bottle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's true. And and it's it's not the easiest route out. It's you're actually doing it for the community for your product. That's right. Um, which is a community event. You know, if you're giving that organic feel it's not the easy way it's no. the harder way it is the harder but the way. better way yes <laughs> and so that's why we we so appreciate that um would you do you think that you will continue on are you feeling you know when you talk about your community and your your time 
committed to our our town and and with Eliza and the arts and your your children too are very much into the arts. Um, do you have any ma- you know if you had a magic wand, is there anything that you would like to do or that you would like to achieve beyond yeah. what you've already achieved? Yes, probably. Um, probably get the community to know more about what we're doing with the mm. wines uh, because it's um, it's something that uh, we all need you know what I mean we all need uh, we all need healthy products we all need healthy wines we all need healthy healthy air yeah? right so it's I think that yes I will definitely continue doing it and I will try to as I did this summer I will try to um, let everyone know when we have harvest for example we have had people that came from uh, even from France really? to harvest with us oh, from the Bay Area yeah so yes people love it when they come to when they participate in uh, during the harvest so when they come to a wine tasting they just they just love being together and share something that it's true to itself like a, right. a wine that, uh, that is not being masked by any chemicals it's amazing and we grew organically and it's just like i said not the easiest route mm-hmm. tell me if um someone wanted to volunteer or do something like that and are inspired by what you're saying about Arkil's winery is there a way for them to communicate with you absolutely okay tell so us how what we did we advertised through facebook uh instagram but also we i use uh next door oh next door next door yes so okay. I, I i received a lot of help from next door and we have great i mean we have great neighbors that help us all the time we have on well, cement hill yeah. lots of great neighbors right yeah, exactly <laughs> Desmond, uh, Gallagher, we have Bob and Anne Gold, we have Brian Wag and Ray with the music that they come and play for us also. They, it's, um, they have the Dream and the Dreamer band. And we actually have uh, May 11th, we have an open day. so people May come. 11th. Yeah, okay, right. I'm going to mark it down. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I mean, we advertise through those medias and, uh, and also the um, uh, Chamber of Commerce as well. Okay. Advertise for us, yes. Great. And are you... Are you at the point where your wine is in the stores or do they need to go straight to your winery or how could they? The wines can be purchased at SPD. Okay. Oh, great. They have them also at the National Hotel. Okay. And the Three Forks as well. And also they are all over the place in the Bay Area, many, many wine shops and in Los Angeles as well. Wow. So, yes, they, they've been reviewed by Masters of Wine Chances, Robinson and Jamie mm. Goody and... Written about by Esther Mobley from the San Francisco Chronicle, The Union. Wow. Rob Byers has interviewed <laughs> us. So, so, yes. Wow. And what an accomplishment. And being a teacher, too. How do you have the energy to do both? They're such big jobs, Carlos. I have no idea. <laughs> It's the passion. Yes. It's the passion. Well, I hate to say it, but we're nearly, I can't believe we're near at the end of the show. But one thing I would love for you to tell me about is if you, you know, we live in this wonderful community with people like you, people that bring wisdom and passion to our community. Um, Do you agree with that when we interview people for the sages, when we see that these are such special people that are coming to this county, would you agree that there has to be something here that's that's attracting them? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the river, the mountains, the, it's all the, air, the people. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's all of it, isn't it? Yes, totally. it's all of it. Yes, yes. This is a great community, wonderful community. Yeah. And when it comes to community outreach, what would you say if someone was listening tonight and was, you know, fascinated by 
your story and about organic farming with wine or anything to do with um, healthy eating and drinking, what what would you say to them? Well, just support those that are feeding you yeah. uh, locally. Support the locals. It's very important. Right. Yeah. Wonderful to, to yeah. do that. That's true. Keep it local, right? Yes. <laughs> well, at this point, we are near the end. I was wondering, are there any other organizations? I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. Are there any <laughs> other organizations that you are involved with? Oh, indeed. Uh, <laughs> I think I Nevada know. Nevada City Arts Council. <laughs> <laughs> there it's it is. The Nevada <laughs> County Arts Council, of course. Um, good. And what do you do? What does Eliza have you do? Well, I have uh, helped translating for the the corp, the 19 core that Eliza managed to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So. Good. And she probably puts you on some form of entertainment. I, uh, yes. Because you totally. are a, a passionate, talented man. So you get in there and um, schmooze people and help people feel comfortable. Uh, teach them how to dance salsa. <laughs> I love it. Well, I haven't heard that yet. So that's my next invitation, I guess. But um, anything else you would like to say, Carlos, just to say thank you for being a sage tonight and for being in our community. Anything else you would like to say? I just want to say thank Thank you to everyone for listening and uh, keep enjoying the day. That's it. And thank you so much for being a sage and being a part of our community, Carlos. Um, I'm so glad we had this interview. It's been um, on my mind and now it has happened. So more to come. Thank you. For everybody listening, thank you for listening to the Sages Among Us with sages like Carlos. And I'm Kimberly Ewan, your host tonight. It's such a pleasure. Stay safe tonight and enjoy the evening.